Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, greetings, pod fans, from the Bar des Mousquetaires, which is where I just sourced our pre-recording beers from, and where we are now seated, just outside Court Philippe Chatrier, where the night session, it's 9.03pm, so they're probably just about to strike the first ball inside the Philippe Chatrier court this evening, our Elise Cornet and Yelena Ostapenko. Don't worry, we'll be covering that match and uh, the other matches that are yet to finish around the grounds here on day Five of Roland Garros. Stefanos Sitsipas has somehow managed to still find himself on court at uh, at gone nine pm. So we'll be covering that um, in uh, part two of the show that we'll be recording a little bit later on. But here we find ourselves in amongst the joyous Parisianness, David, for part one. Yeah, I like it here, especially with the beers. Uh, and actually, we were just reminiscing a little bit about three years ago being at Wimbledon on the the picnic tables with with a drink after after re- broadcasting all day and record recording the podcast and that was such a happy time and then the pandemic came along and and changed everything and and it's just another reminder of how nice it is to be able to do these things again yeah there was a time in june and july 2020 when my my phone was spamming me with one year ago today photos <laughs> and they were all of such happy scenes and it felt like it felt like Apple were throwing egg in my face for a while there. But anyway, we're back with beers in hand and it's one of those lovely light evenings that you only get at this time of year and uh, it feels very special, doesn't it? And I'm glad it feels special because, full disclosure, let's front up to this, it hasn't been a special Grand Slam day, has it? It's been, mm. it's been a bit of a slow news day. I mean, the contrast in the press room today to yesterday when it was electric and all eyes were, were diverted in, in one place and all attention in one place. It's not... It's, it's felt like, you know, journalists scrabbling around for stories and scraping bottoms of barrels and, yeah. and yeah, yeah, just a, a slightly sort of straggly, mm. straggly day. I, I think I probably got lucky in a way in that I got scheduled to do the early shift on BBC Radio which meant I was in for very start of play and I, I kind of feel like the first match that I saw on Simone Mathieu when Carolina Pliskova was beaten by the 26 year old French woman who I'd never heard of when I arrived here to be quite honest Jean Jean yes yeah, am I saying that Leolia Jean Jean yes and we are going to talk about her in quite some detail because frankly She's probably the story of the day. Look, the headline so. of the day, I think, is the fact that we now have only three of the top ten women's seeds making it to round number three. Now, I can't tell you exactly how infrequently that has happened in Grand Slams because that would be giving the game away on Matt's stat. Oh, but I am what a good going to say it's a good stat. It hasn't happened very often. And you should subscribe to the newsletter. Oh, Catherine, <laughs> brilliant! Yes, we spent the afternoon researching that stat. In I between, helped. I helped. <laughs> Look at her face. In between, <laughs> I was Matt's research assistant. An eager Shvontek press conference and the catch up with Pam Schreiber. Yes. So it's been a, Pam, it's been a Pam good afternoon. Pam arrived and said, "What are you up to?" And I said, "Doing Matt's research." Wow. And I was very proud to proud to help. 
yeah, it it has happened. And it's a good step. Very infrequently, and and and, I, and yet I don't feel like this has been a tournament sort of full of upsets. No. I, I think you can go through them and you can look at Jabir. Absolutely was an upset, but it, you know we spoke about it at the time. It happened on sort of day day minus one in a way. Yeah, Jabir and Sakari, they're upsets. But Sakari lost to Mukova, but Sakari which is lost an to Mukova, entirely which is plausible yeah. result. Totally losable. Contivate hasn't been not informed. an upset. Muguruza not informed. Klitschikova hasn't played. The, the form um, element is big, isn't it? The hard, hard, aside from Igor Fiontek and Ash Barty, nobody's been in great form this year, apart from maybe Ons Jabir. You could mm. say that as well. I think the other thing is that normally you would say Naomi Osaka losing in her first round is a shock, but she lost to Amanda Anisimova and she hasn't played that well herself in the last 18 months even. The same with Andrescu. You know, you'd look at these as, as shocks if you looked at them in their heyday or, mm. or their peak from before. Now, look, I think Naomi Osaka and Ben Andrescu are going to have peaks again, but at the moment, it's a bit of a trough for a lot of players. Mm. Yeah, so today we lost the ninth seed, Danielle Collins. She lost to, to Shelby Rogers. And we lost the eighth seed, Karolina Pliskova, as you said, David, to the world number 227, the French wildcard, Leolia Jean-Jean. Uh, this was just her second ever match against a top 100 player. Really? And, and, and the first of those the was tenor. round one. And, yeah, the, <laughs> This is her first ever Grand Slam. I mean, she's never been anywhere near this level in her life. Now, Pliskova didn't didn't look right, did she, David? No. She was broken in half of her eight service games, 28 errors. She was hitting the bottom of the net today. with, with rally balls. It was, it was a horrible watch from her point of view, but her opponent also did, I felt, cause some of that by playing very well she's uh, she's the lowest ranked female player to win a match at Roland Garros against a top 10 opponent since it was in the 80s David you might be able to get this and this is not Matt Stack no well wow. because this was doing the rounds on um, on the internet so okay. Matt likes to the 80s Matt likes to be, f- be first top 10 player losing to a low ranked player in the 80s at Roland Garros it's a bit ne- uh, you'll kick yourself but I'm going to tell you Conchita Martinez lost to Laurie McNeil in the 80s 1988 yeah. goodness I would never have got that Jean Jean was being described very widely as an ex-prodigy which I think is one of the most brutal Labels <laughs> it is possible to have. I'm sure she was a prodigy just a long, long time ago. Well, yeah, thus ex-prodigy. Apparently, age 12, uh, she was nicknamed the Mozart of tennis, a female Richard Gasquet. Uh, her coach at the time, Nicholas Piotrowski, said of of her around the age of 12 I only had it for a year but it was like being in a washing machine that year was amazing the pressure the stress the expectations you're already signing contracts with Nike and with Babala as soon as you went to a place it was a fairground phenomenon there was really incredible expectation around her that's a 12 year old um, she then dislocated her platella three times in oh, her adolescence goodness. and decided to go and study in the US. Continued playing tennis, I think, got a tennis scholarship, but she obtained a bachelor's degree in sociology, a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, and a master's degree in wealth investment finance. Wow. Before deciding to give tennis another crack. <laughs> That's brilliant. And, and she said in her press conference that, you know, she's come back here, she's 26 years old now, and she thought, well, I was really good at tennis 14, you know, when I was 14 or 15. Why wouldn't I still be good now? You know, tennis was always my thing. I'm going to give it another go. And it's, pretty, it's a pretty amazing story, actually. And, David, I'm interested because I didn't get to watch that match. Catherine and I were watching Paola Badosa. What's she like as a, as well, a player? Um, my, I didn't watch the rallies that kind of closely, but the bits that I got to see, she felt very instinctive. As, as a, I mean, I know it's a stereotype, but a lot of French players are instinctive players. Hugo Gaston and players like this, you know, they have the foundations of the game and then they go with the flow, whatever that is. What really struck me is in the final game, I had a horrible feeling for her because here she is, 6-2, up, and you could start to think that this could all go horribly wrong for her because you could see her tighten. There, there, was ner- there were nerves. She did stiffen. She did lose a couple of points that she'd been winning earlier. 
And then she just got on with it and won the match. Now, Pliskova was kind of helping her out because she was struggling so much. And, and I feel for her because she didn't look well and she's had a terrible time. She broke her arm, didn't she, uh, in, that, in that incident earlier on in the year or end of last year. But you still have to get over the line when you've never done this before. What I did see as well, though, is that she got a fantastic college record of loads and loads and loads of match wins. And whilst it can not compare in any way in terms of sort of conditions to this, at least she's got an experience of winning a heck of a lot of matches. And, yeah, well, uh, they say winning becomes a habit. Yeah. Don't they? And, and I just... It was a really inspiring watch, to be honest, and I think the crowd really bought into it. I think that they kind of... Probably a bit like me, they start seeing this player and probably start Googling her and finding out, well, what's her story then? Why have I never heard of her before? Um, and... Um, and it was lovely, really, to see somebody come out of nowhere, 26 years of age, has obviously had a lot go on in her life, and, and yet detours, which are really uplifting detours, but then come back to tennis. I wonder if Karolina Pliskova knew who she was. There was a video going round oh, yes. after her first round performance, which she won um, against a Madagascan, or French Madagascan, French Madagascan um, called, uh, the first name's Tessa, and the encore interview mentioned that Tessa is a fan of yours, Piscova. What was it like playing against her? And she said, "Who?" <laughs> she said, "I didn't know her name." <laughs> Slightly savage from Piscova. <laughs> um, speaking of difficulty getting over the line, Jessica Pagula. This is uh, this is a Pam Shriver stat, folks. She has on, needed Pam. eighteen match points in two rounds. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ten in the first round uh, and then eight today. Yeah. And she was 6-1, 5-1 up today and ended up having to win it 6-4 in the third. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think of her in takes that don't age well. I said to Matt when she was about 6-1, 5-1, I think of Jessica Bagula as quite a no-nonsense. I, I think of her as a closer. Me too. Pretty no-nonsense. That Those... Those 18 match, match points surprised me. I went to her press conference and asked her about it, and she said, it was in my head. You know, I, I, I was thinking back to the first round when it kept happening. It's kind of impossible not to... Was she thinking about the Sakari match? Well, quite, quite mm. possibly, yeah. And, you know, she, she did mention that, you know, the other player started playing brilliantly. She said, I didn't actually think I did that much wrong. Um, and and uh, the other player was Angelina Kalinina, who I saw up close playing uh, Emma Raducanu in Madrid, and she can play. She really can, yeah. She's had a lot of wins over the last 12 months, so it was a, it was a difficult match for, for, for Jessica Pagula. I was kind of surprised she was 6-1-5-1 up in it, to be honest. Um, but then at the end, she was just like, I just wanted it to be over. <laughs> it was stressful. She, she was sitting courtside and gesturing to her coaching team about the sheer number of match points wasn't she she was counting them on her fingers yeah. and showing them how many yeah, she'd have. she was. I, I like that though that i think that's probably a good way to deal with it is to, it, is to laugh at your own expense a little bit she's so self-aware isn't she and aware generally it's so funny isn't it she's you know she's very famously the daughter of a billionaire very famously wealthy family in the states and you can you can imagine you know, often that sort of person, not always, but often they're not particularly in touch with the world or yeah. have great perspective. And um, she really does. And she works damn hard, doesn't she? Because she's got a really, really good game, but there's nothing particularly special in her game. I think she's absolutely maxing out on her potential. And I've got a lot of time for that. Mm. Yes, and I think even the fact that she's put herself on the player council mm. of, of the WCA Tour is a indication that you know she's she's sort of worldly and wants to know how things work and make an impact and help other people. It's yeah, it's it's really admirable. I think she has last year's semi-finalist Tamara Zidanecek in round number three. She was a semi-finalist last year. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. <laughs> Blimey. Yeah, true story, David. Um, while you Where were when that <laughs> while you were watching uh, <laughs> Karolina Pliskova's defeat, Matt and I were watching Paula Badosa fight through against Kaya Yuvan on Suzanne Longlen. It was a brilliant match. Loved this Kaya Yuvan. She can play. She is a fun time, folks. Why is that? Well, can I say inside out forehand drop shot return? You can. <laughs> 
This was on my court long road, Th- there right? Was, <laughs> yes. There was great. other stuff as well, but that will live with me forever. <laughs> so I'm trying, to, I'm trying was, to picture this. So is it a body serve from Badossa? No, it's you, you know, it was a wide serve. And you know the classic wide serve on play. Player jumps around their back, backhand, hit the in-to-out forehand. So it's a kick serve return, out wide. Kick serve out wide. She does that. She does the dancing around it but then hits a drop shot, a bending, inverse like banana, into-out, drop shot return. Side spin on it. I've never seen it before. Clean never. winner. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, it was, was absolutely I, brilliant. I'd love to be in her mind on the tennis court because all sorts of things are going on in there. Do you there, think that was think. premeditated or was that oh, instinctive? It, oh, you, do you mean when she set up to return? She when she whatever she runs around, is she? Is, is, does she look like she's going to absolutely batter? Yeah, it? I think at the point that she's running around, she knows what she's going to do, but she right. hasn't decided before the serve comes down. Okay. Mm. Wow. I, look, I thought Badossa played well. Yeah. Today, I thought um, there were there were hit, signs of the lack of you know baked in confidence. Mm-hmm. There were signs where it it could look a bit fragile but but when she was playing well she really was playing well you know she was hitting the ball with conviction and authority which is what I remember just being so struck by from her at the very start of this year there's an acceptance about her isn't there that okay maybe she's had a rough few months Mm. but the baked in thing has got to be sort of cultivated over Mm. a period of time it can't just Click the fingers. She she said she she was really pleased with her fight today, and she did have to fight. Lost the second set to Yuvan, and it really felt like that third set could go could go either way. She said she she admitted. I asked her in impressed today how big a win like that would be for her confidence. You know, we've seen so many seeds fall. It would have been so easy for her to fall today, and for it to have been a bit like Maria Sakkari's loss. You know, a kind of. Well, I suppose that's an upset, but it, but it's not a huge shock. She didn't have confidence, you know. It didn't have didn't have form coming in, all of that kind of thing. But she really dug in, and she kind of admitted that's been lacking a bit in some of her recent matches. She hasn't been able to find that. She got a coaching warning, didn't she? Mm, right, did at the not start like start of the third set, and was really angry about it, both on court and I think also in the press conference afterwards. She said she was going to track down the WTA supervisor. Yes, I asked her about it, sort of thinking, oh, she could get arsy that I've asked. Or, but it went the other way. It was almost like, well, I'm glad you've asked. You have <laughs> shone a light on a major issue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she said she was going to go speak to the supervisor. <laughs> but I think actually her response after that was really impressive because she was a breakdown, I think, at that point in the third set. Yuvan broke right at the start. And that seemed to, I don't know, I don't want to say focus her because I don't mm. think she ever lost focus, but it, she seemed even more determined and channeled whatever frustration she was feeling towards the umpire into you know her forehand and whatever and she played extremely well in the in the last six games after getting the warning so Bedossa is through the second highest seed remaining obviously Igor Svantec is also through who's Bedossa gone Bedossa now plays Veronica Kudamatova and right. they've got an interesting head-to-head because Kudamatova used to dominate it. it was it was three love I think most of those matches last year maybe even all of them last year but this season Bedossa Okay, maybe she quite hasn't quite had some of the results we've expected her to, but she's turned around that head-to-head with Kudamatova. They've played a couple of times, and she's won both times very, very easily. Mm. So Iga Svantec, love and two for her today. Just the one bagel, which yeah. which you think is well well below par. Well, Davis. it was two love, and I said that I think this is going to be a double bagel. And and the thing is, I was commentating on this match and. I thought Alison Risch played quite well. She lost. <laughs> she lost six love six two. She she fought her heart out. There was not one point, which is what she does, isn't she it? She didn't Every give up point. a single point on court. Susan Long. She was laughing at the the standard of tennis that Igor Fiontek was playing. It was so good. She was handcuffing Risk with Djokovician returns right down the middle, right on the baseline, and then. What can you do? You get the ball back and she hits it either way she wants for a winner. It doesn't matter whether it's forehand or backhand. The level of tennis, she got to six love, four love before she lost the game. And she can't, I don't know whether she lost her concentration a bit because she, in that game, she hit more unforced errors in that 
what would it have been the the 11th game than she'd hit in the entire match and it was it was like a Steffi Graf 1989 performance and this is just a theme this is what she does week in week out day in day out the the ravenous desire to win every single point and the skill set she has and the power and the physicality She's a quite awesome tennis player. Tomorrow, Friday, and again, this is this is a Pam Shriver stat. It'll be a hundred days since she's lost a tennis match. Oh, that is a good stat. Um, Who was that to? Ostapenko. Elena Ostapenko. Like, seven six in the third. And I, I asked Ostapenko in her press conference. Would it have been yesterday? A couple of days ago. You know, you were the last player to beat Igor Swiatek. I think the whole WTA tour wants to know how you did it, and she said. I know how to play against her. <laughs> oh, then, Elena. And then stopped her answer there. She wasn't going any further. And they are in the same section mm. of the draw. In commentary, we went th- we ran through the entire draw trying to work out. Obviously, there's a big if. Sviantek has to maintain this form and not get injured. But if she does maintain this form, who, if anybody, could hurt her? Who could have a day and hurt her? To me, it's Ostapenko. Mm. Maybe a, a Camilla Georgie just by going flash out. Uh, flat out with power although I don't think she's as good as Ostapenko uh, I don't th- actually don't think Georgie's good enough to be <laughs> scrap that I think Georgie would just end up feeding Sviantek the, the power balls that she wants mm-hmm. to hit them away for winners um, Naomi Brody was was sensing and I think, or Naomi Kavada I can't remember who it was in our commentary box was saying that actually maybe it's a player with consistency who is going to be the one that might cause the problems but obviously I mean, we'll come on to Samantha Hallett, but she's out. So there's one player that it won't be. But there aren't many that you can make a, com- a compelling case for, really. If if Shvante plays like this, how do you beat the woman? I, I don't think it's about the opponent. I think it's about Shvante. Yeah, yeah, me too. No, I, I agree I, with we, you. we said that pre-talk. I mean, look, there there would be there would be certain opponents that would put her in more of a position to doubt herself, perhaps if she were ever going to. Um, of course, but I, yeah, I think if we're going through the draw on tennis, there's nobody that can get close. It, it certainly seems at the moment. She plays Danka Kovinic next. We were, we were debating. So it'll obviously be these halves of the draw that we're seeing today that will play on Saturday, and Saturday is the day of the Champions League final, which I know not everybody listening to this podcast will care about, but most people that are interested in tennis will also have at least a passing interest in the Champions League final and everybody in this city has an interest well, that's the thing, isn't in it? the Champions yeah. League final and I was thinking who are they going to put in the night session up against the Champions League final and I thought they'll probably put a women's match there because you know that's that seems to be what they do here in terms of treatment of women but I honestly don't think you can put Igor Svantec in, in the night session because it could have been be 47 minutes and it could be less than an hour. There is a high risk of it she being She won the first set today in 20 minutes. She was Yeah, four, I just you know. don't think you can do that when people have paid what they've paid for for one tennis match. It, it, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see if she ever plays a, a night session match because she's the world number 1. She's a sight to behold. I love watching her, but I would also be annoyed if I'd if I was a punter that had paid money and only so 45 minutes of if tennis, no matter what it was. If you one match, that's, that's the problem with it, yeah. isn't it? Uh, so, Schwantek through, shock news. Badosa through, Pagula through. Um, Arena Kabilia Begu run through earlier on today. Now, why are we talking about this? She beat Ekaterina Alexandrova. Um, she's quite a big win, actually. Alexandrova, a semi-finalist in Madrid. Um, Begu will be the third-round opponent of Leolia Jean-Jean. Um, but she probably should have been defaulted, Begu, well, I in think, that match. I think so. I mean, I suppose you look at the, you try to look at precedents that are out there already. What happened was she bounced her racket when she was near her chair and the racket somersaulted into the crowd and it nearly hit somebody. And I think a kid cried, all the rest of it. I think the only reason that she wasn't defaulted probably was because it actually didn't hit anybody. And, you know, I know somebody else has thrown a racket into the nearly hit a cameraman but actually didn't and got away with it Novak Djokovic of course did hit a line judge with the ball and that's what ended up I think if he'd have missed the line judge even though it was reckless he'd have got away with it um, but it, it's, the problem is that 
players are just instinctively doing this stuff and I'm sure the fact that there are a few repercussions to it is part of the reason that their instinct goes to doing it do we do we need to adjust the the rules so it's not about outcome which ultimately is a matter of luck isn't it the the point is that you're doing something reckless with your racket where you don't know where it could go you're relying on luck for it not to to injure somebody Yes, I think so. I, I had a look back at the US Open statement from when Novak Djokovic did get defaulted uh, a couple of years ago, and the words they used were reckless, intentional, and a uh, negligent disregard for the consequences. And I think, you know, Begu's racket bounce was all of those things, to be honest. I think there was. She didn't even really look where it went, did she? She was busy getting, getting her next racket out of her bag. It was extreme obviously she didn't mean or want it to hit somebody nobody's suggesting that but negligent reckless all of those things she looked quite upset at the end and mm. i suspect she well, I, I realized mean, there was what a she'd done in floods of yeah. tears wasn't there i mean you'd have to be pretty hard of heart not to be i, I uh, don't know exactly what upset. what the line should be in terms of the rule because i don't i don't necessarily feel like the moment the racket leaves your hand you should be defaulted but i do think that if your racket bounces and goes into the crowd like that, mm. you're risking somebody's health, and, and that can't happen. Amazingly, over on court 14, Arena Sabalenka managed not to break any rackets. Well done, Facing Arena. Madison Brengel, who is the ultimate racket smash inducer, <laughs> I think. I just can't imagine the frustration of playing Madison Brengel. Yes. Everyone's thinking, why am I not winning this? <laughs> why am I not winning this easier? Why? Madison Brinkle, why is she winning points? I mean, it's amazing. She's amazing. She's the closest be... thing to the club player who yes. winds you up because yes. you think I'm better than this player. Yeah, and and it's it's she's she's such a provocateur for big hitters, and I I relate to it so hard. You know, the Dolly second serve that that your heart leaps at and goes, I'm going to hit this as hard as I, as I can. It's right in my hitting zone. You can see it searing for a winner before you've even made contact with the ball, and obviously it hits the back fence. Um, and it was very much... that It was, it was a, a, a high-level club match over on court 14. Um, and I, look, I'm, she, I really don't think she's going to win this tournament, but I, I'm really impressed that Sabalenka is, is getting these wins, quite frankly. She would have been... Another person that had she lost in round one or round two, we'd have all gone, oh, Sabalenka lost, bit of a surprise, shrugged and moved on. Yes, if you told me that only three of the top ten seeds made it through to round three, I would have thought, well, Sabalenka would have been one of the ones who didn't make it through. Such was her form, her confidence, the general state of her game at the moment. Mm. But, you know, kind of like we said in Australia, any time she's able to win without that, you know, sort of, a yeah. game, I think, is kind of impressive from her. Mary, Mary Carrillo was out there watching on court 14. She came in to watch it on her day off. <laughs> that is how much that woman loves tennis. Go on, Mary. Um, she informs us that the first point of the match was a double fault from Marina Sabalenka. The perseverance so, of Marina Sabalenka, again, we just, called it. Yeah, <laughs> In incredible. Australia. Um, over in the men's draw, I don't think any real upsets today as we record at the moment. I know Stefan Ossitsipas is embroiled in something... We will be talking about that later, folks. He's uh, he's five all in the f- in the fourth set as we come to you, and he's he's having not a fun time. Yeah. I would say against Zdenek Kolar, who I think, as we all declared on last night's podcast, we uh, we'd never heard of before yesterday. So look, if if Kolar uh, research is required before part two, we will do the required research and we'll bring you up to date with that but as we stand at the moment no massive upsets unless you count Gilles Simon getting his retirement ceremony cancelled again (laughs) (laughs) he's only gone and beaten Steve Johnson yeah and he was three left down with Gilles I'm not surprised after he was here at about 12.01am the other night when uh, he was trying to keep his French Open life do you, do you think they'll come come a point where they just go, well, you're not getting your retirement ceremony then, Gilles. If you, you keep bloody winning... You can get it if you win the title. You, you had your chance. <laughs> He's into the third round. It's bloody impressive. And he plays 
Marin Cilic in the third round. Combined and, age of about 80. And he always beats Marin Cilic. He does he? Always beat yeah. Marin Cilic. He's got, I think he won six of their seven matches. Yeah, quirky head-to-head mm. fun. Wow. Mm. Is he on? No, Gilles Simon in round, <laughs> round in the second week. Of the French Open, absolute mm. lol. Matt at goes that. big on Gilles Simon. Uh, Daniil Medvedev came through in three sets against Laszlo Gerrard. A real clay court match. This I, I, I'm I'm impressed with the way Medvedev is just so accepting of the challenges of clay. He said he said he didn't feel like he played as well as he did in his opening match. He said he felt like he he hit a heavier ball in the opening match and maybe he'll need to do that in the next round. He plays uh, Mirmir Ketsmanovic, uh, who beat Alexander Bublik earlier on today. We didn't see any of that match, but um, pod fan, friend of the pod, Stephen, that we all met earlier on today and had flown over to, from California to watch... Andre Bublik against oh, Mimir Ketsmanovic. He didn't fly over to me. He, uh, he informs us that Bublik tanked away that third set with <laughs> countless underarm serves. It serves couldn't and be a, a more Bublik I'm, uh, scoreline, I'm could sad it? that I missed it. Um, but Medvedev said, um, yeah, he said, look, overall, overall he's happy. He's very, you know, he's... I don't think any any of us have him in our quarterfinals. He, he could do go we? all the but way, he's... couldn't he? He could go all the way. Yeah. I mean, look at Sitsipas. Who would have thought Sitsipas would be five all in the fourth set against a player I honestly had not heard of before this week? Mm. Yeah, and I remember kind of the same thing happening with Medvedev last year at Roland Garros in that we had absolutely no expectations of him coming in because he spent the entire clay court season saying how rubbish he is saying how rubbish he is on clay and how much he hates the clay and writing it on all the camera lenses (laughs) and um, suddenly he sort of quite easily made his way through to the quarterfinals and in the end he got he got beaten by Stefano Tsitsipas and you know that match up on clay certainly favoured Tsitsipas and you know that could happen again but Sitsipas is struggling and Medvedev just just keeps going through. And this year we, you know, we had low expectations because of his hernia operation. We hadn't actually, and the fact that he lost to Richard Gasquet in 2022, <laughs> we hadn't actually seen that much of him on clay. But you know, I think I think the conditions here are maybe some of his favourite clay court conditions, perhaps. Mm. We uh, we both went to his press conference because it's just it's always a fun time. Yeah. And um, I asked him about um, Netflix, because obviously the last time we checked in with him about Netflix was at the Australian Open, right after the big reveal that Serve to Survive is happening. That's my name for it. That's a working title. It's, it's good, though. <laughs> it's good. Um, and he said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to be involved. And he actually gave quite a revealing answer about it today, didn't he? He, was, he certainly seemed to have... It doesn't... It's not... A principled objection to being and he sort of said look I I think it's going to be great I think it's a brilliant thing I expect to be involved in it you know at some point in the future but he said he didn't feel in the right headspace to get involved in it at the time he said he said he didn't have the energy at the end of last season and he said he felt like he still didn't have the energy now and that's both kind of revealing about him and how you know how relentless his schedule has been for pretty much his entire career since he developed a hernia and also about the Netflix project because I I guess naively I should know better for somebody working in TV um, but just thought you know you're doing what you would do anyway but there happened to be extra well there happened to be cameras there filming you do it but he talked about the Netflix undertaking as quite a big deal quite a big dedication of time and energy and I don't know this was in the press conference here yeah I also it was interesting I wonder whether now given the state of the world whether he feels compromised in that regard as well possibly but he's usually pretty frank I Mm. I don't know I feel like he might have said that if that were the case I that might be a factor too but I certainly believed him today in terms of what he was saying so Medvedev is through, uh, plays Ketsmanovic next. That could be good. I yeah. think Ketsmanovic yeah, is a could. test. Um, sit to pass, we will deal with later. Uh, awaiting sit to pass or Zdenek Kolar. Uh, we'll obviously deal with that later. Um, but awaiting the winner of that match in round three is Mikhail Immer, 
who beat Dan Evans earlier on today. Evans got booed off the court. David, you watched all of it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the booing was a bit harsh, really. I, th- I understand why it happened, because on match point, Evans had, had had enough, and he, he, he didn't do a proper return. It was the closest thing to a tank that I've ever seen from Dan Evans, but it was the final point. He'd got nothing left. He hasn't been very well this He's last not, week. He looked... Awful. He's had a chest infection, to be honest, and he played brilliantly the other, the other day, and he had to win in straight sets. He knew he had to, and today he got off to a start. He was 5-1 down, and he just he just couldn't get going. I don't know why I, didn't, I haven't spoken to him, but then he managed to make a fight to the first set, and it was, it was almost like one of those fight backs within a set that you, you end up losing, but you invest for the rest of the match, and it paid off because he won the second set. He went two love up in the third, so he's, he's a set all, two love up, Honestly, I thought Dan Evans wins from here. He lost six games in a row. And look, Immer is a really talented guy. The, the, the hands he has, the way he's able to manipulate lobs over the head of, of his opponent. Evans was playing so many drop shots, which again I think is a telltale sign. He just wanted to get the rallies over with because he couldn't do what he normally does. And Immer can handle all that. So I, th- I think the main problem was Dan Evans was just physically not not right today. Imo's a good player, but one I would have thought he would have beaten if they were both fully fit. And just on that, you've reminded me that I, uh, we, well, I f- forgot to, to cover Simona Halep, who lost today to Zhang Chin Wen, uh, of China, 19-year-old from China. Obviously, fantastic win for her, and she is she is one to watch. She is a good player. Matt earmarked this yesterday as a potential upset, and that was before. Oh, really. Um, before we saw Hallett being what seemed to be pretty unwell on the court. She had her blood pressure taking, taken. She was having uh, breathing difficulty. Apparently, she's she's just been into press while we've been recording. And um, uh, I've seen a tweet from Ben Rothenberg uh, reporting that she had a panic attack. She says she had a panic attack right. um, during the uh, third set of that match, would it have been? Um which is awful, and I uh, wish Simona Halep well, but she's she's good, Jung. Yeah, she is, and I was I was reading up on her. She moved to Barcelona a couple of years ago to to base herself there and, and train on clay, and it seems to have done wonders for her career because you know in the last couple of years she's you know she's only very young. It's the sort of time in her career where she would be expecting to make progress, but she really has. She's climbed a lot in the rankings in the last couple of years. Um, there was a story about during COVID times where she she didn't want to go on planes, so she drove around Europe in in her car to tournaments and matches rather than flying. And yeah, she's good. She's got a she's got a really nice game, kind of fluid ground strokes, really nice movement, hits the ball pretty hard as well. Um, she's used to work with Carlos Rodriguez when she was much younger, so she's definitely one to watch. Um, but yeah, Halep feel for her you know she really she really it's cannot shame, catch a break it? and it's a real shame um Jung plays the winner of the match currently on court that we'll cover in part two between Elise Corne and Elaine Ostapenko which absolutely lol at this scoreline Corne first set six love Ostapenko currently three love and serving <laughs> in set number <laughs> I love two. it um, Watching that back, and uh, and also as we come to you uh Cola with uh, a mini break in the fourth set High break. Soon to be out of date tennis news for you. Um, just quickly to wrap up in part one, Casper uh, Ruud marches on. He beat Emil Ruusavori in the All Nordic battle. He plays Lorenzo Sonigo next. And uh, Holger Rune marches on as well. And he'll play Hugo Gaston. Oh, I want to watch that. Mm. Please put it on Long Len again. And then I, can go I think Gaston might be at the stage now where he's requesting Longlen. What do you think? He wasn't yeah. Longlen today. On, yes, it's a sort of Nick Kyrgios, mm. John Kane Arena so. situation. I think that it? might be where he is. Mm. Cult following, all of that. Uh, David Goffin, the resurgent David Goffin, he beat Francis Tiafo today. He now plays Hubert Hercatch, who, look, frankly, I've not seen a ball of this tournament, but I've been tipped off by a couple of people. Uh, somebody that's directing some of the outside courts actually and has watched a lot of Hubert Hercatch said he's playing really really well and we never talk about him we never mention him he's not in my predictions I don't know if he's in yours but 
he's a pretty good tennis player mm. and he's sure playing is. well um, Andre Rublev I think has won through against Federico Del Bonis and he'll now play yes. Christian Garin yeah who who has won today I think in four sets he did and, David and, and he beat Tommy Paul I think the other he's day he's beaten Tommy he? Paul and Ilya Avashka who was my prediction today because Matt's constantly telling me Ilya Avashka is really quite good oh well done Matt <laughs> that worked yeah, well, yeah, I'm be- we're being hustled, David. <laughs> I was coming Sorry, to realise. I also picked Tommy Paul to beat Christian Green. <laughs> He's hustled himself. Basically, nobody's backing Christian Green at the moment. But that'll be tough for Rublev. He has not hit his stride yet. He's dropped sets in both matches he's played so far. He was, you know, seeing red in round one. That that could be tough for him. Mm. I still can't watch him, so I wouldn't know. No, we'll um, we'll keep you posted, David. Look, we're going to sign off for part one. We'll be back soon with part two. Well, very soon for you, less soon for us. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Well, welcome back to part two of your day five French Open tennis podcast. And it's safe to say that Elise Cornet and Yelena Rostopenko did not disappoint. In fact, look, I've not been in, inside the stadium and I've not been commentating the way you have on some of these night session matches, David. But to me, to my eye, that looked like the best night session of the lot so far. I know there would probably have been worrying moments after that six-love first set to Elise Cornet, where everyone's thinking, oh my God, is this going to be over in 45 minutes and people asking for refunds? But that didn't happen. It was a cracking match, a cracking atmosphere and some cracking face from Yelena Rostopenko. And I'm not really sure what more a person can ask for. Yes, Yelena Rostopenko did Yelena Rostopenko and Elise Cornet did Elise Cornet. And that's kind of what you imagine that the schedulers had in mind, really. And they also had a winner... For the French crowd, which they would have loved. And yeah, I mean, those are seriously lopsided sets, aren't they? Six love, one six. And then, but, but in the end, we, we watched that final set together and it was pretty dramatic, really, because Ostapenko is so prepared to take on everybody and not worry about the consequences, not worry about what people in the crowd might be saying or anybody back home. She's just herself. She she says what she thinks. She does what she thinks is right. She wears what she wants. She wears what she wants. She goes after her shots. Her facial expressions are hilarious. Um, and I personally... I mean, I'm, I'm simultaneously enormously amused at the look-away handshake, one of the most dramatic of the genre that I've ever seen, and also slightly 
I don't. I'm not a huge fan of it. In on another handle, I, I know that makes me a hypocrite. Well, but David and I have just had an off-air a mini row about this because I just. I mean, I agree that it's you know a bit. Path- it's pathetic from Yelena Ostapenko. The no no look handshake. I just think you know in the pantheon of you know pathetic heat at the moment acts. I think it's pretty harmless. It's panto. Really. It is... It's pa- yeah. But... I don't find it as disrespectful as you do. She still shook her hand. It bothered me at the time, I must say, because I saw the... Well, so shortly after the time, because I saw the, saw the screenshots of it. What makes it kind of okay to me is the way that Elise Cornet just grinned like a Cheshire cat at her while she did it and then sort of walked off as though she'd just won the lottery, you know, and, and doesn't care And at I think all. what makes it more okay is Elise Cornet's definitely done some no-look handshakes <laughs> in her time. It kind of feels like fair, fair game between those two, whatever whatever goes down You can almost in, in imagine them regard. having a giggle about it in the locker room mm. in, a, in a week's time. Yes, I enjoyed it so much. I've made it our new group photo on WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Matt. There was so. I mean, this isn't good radio, is it? But there was so much enjoyable Ostapenko face. Head to uh, head to our Twitter. I'm going to put some of it on our Instagram as well because I I can't resist. Quite frankly, it was it was excellent. But she's out of the tournament. Elise Cornet so, marches on. Is there anyone left in the tournament who knows how to beat Igor Swiatek? That is the question. Is there anybody else who's capable of beating her if she's on? Will Yelena Ostapenko pass on Will her winning formula her wisdom? Yeah. To, to someone else? I, I think the, the, for a price. And I know, you know, some of it, some of the way she reacted to that question is tongue in cheek. But I, but I seriously can worry for the lack of firepower for players to be able to hurt. Sviantek, if if she's on, look, I still caveat that with she needs to be 100% fit. She needs to not have a, a letdown. Um, but if she plays her best, I just don't know what you can do. There is actually nobody left in the draw who has beaten Sviantek this season. Obviously, Ash Barty beat her in Adelaide. She's retired. And Danielle Collins and, and Ostapenko were the only other two players to beat wow. her. And they both lost today. Goodness me. Well, Elise Cornet will go on to face uh, Jung Chin Wen, who we were talking about earlier, of course. And just very quickly, while we were re- revisiting that match of uh, Jung's, Chung, Jung's victory over a very depleted Simona Halep, we were just watching the Eurosport coverage of that uh, Cornet match. And uh, popping up after it was a, an interview with Simona Halep that they'd recorded earlier on this evening, where Simona Halep just spoke so frank frankly and and with such relaxation about the the panic attack that she suffered on court and how alarming it was for her she'd never really experienced that before but she obviously i don't i mean it's pretty unusual for a tv station to request a player if they lose i i don't know this but i it's certainly possible that Simone Halep asked asked to do that tv appearance and explain yeah. the situation and proactively be open about it which I think is amazing yeah I I would imagine she will have helped a lot of people who've suffered panic attacks by the way she came out matter-of-factly after the event explained how depleting how how much it hurt her at the time but how she's fine now because that is the the experience for a lot of people with panic attacks they they can you can feel like they're the worst thing in the world at the time um I've had them in the past and but but they pass most of the time and 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 you feel okay afterwards and I think it's important that that, that there's a normalization of of that and especially now because she said look I think it's an accumulation of things she said I had a lot of injuries then a pandemic happened I think this is accumulated pent up anxiety that mm. maybe I I haven't haven't processed I'm I'm paraphrasing a bit there putting words in her mouth a little but that's the sense I got from what she said and that is that is hella relatable right now isn't it for for a lot of people um us included I think one other big result to wrap up and that is a victory finally for Stefan Sitsipas over on Longland my goodness me did he go the long way around he did get it done in four sets it looked for a while well, for several points, uh, that it was going to go f- to a fifth set because uh, Zdenek Kolar was 6-3 up in the fourth set tiebreak. Yeah. 
I mean, that's that's a heck of a big lead, isn't it? And the crowd are ch- chanting his name. They're so into An honorary it. Frenchman, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, obviously fantastic for Sitsipas to have won through that, but he spent nearly eight hours on court for the opening two rounds. It's got a very Matthias Borg, Radek Stepanek, Andy Murray opening two rounds. Oh, what a great reference. Um, I've stolen that a little bit that's from Matt, David. Very good, I like um, But... Yeah, and we all we all know what ended up happening there and what Boris Becker's take on it was, which was those excess sets that Murray pe- played in the opening two rounds were what cost him in the final against Novak Djokovic. Is this a problem for Sitsipas? I think the biggest problem is he's not playing well and therefore he's spending this extra time on court. Um and he really isn't playing well. I mean, he, he he cleaned up his game against Musetti, didn't he? But he was really helped by Musetti, as we said, kind of disappearing in sets three to five the other night. And today, you know, he said that uh, Kolar drove him crazy and he found it difficult to play someone with little expectation who was going for their shots. Um, Sitspass was constantly on the back foot in that match and normally... Sits a pass on clay is on the front foot and dictating and expressing himself. So I, I think the form is an issue. Um, I, I still will back him in that bottom half of the draw because I think he's a much better clay quarter than someone like Medvedev, for example. I think he's better at slams than Rublev and um, Rude, for example. That's well put. So I still back him. He's a, he's a great fighter. You know, he's, he's winning these matches. He's, he's fought through that one today. He needs to improve his tennis, though, because he's, he's so far off the level that we know he's capable of. And he's doing footwork on his serve again, which, <laughs> uh, yeah, not all the time. But, yeah, he's doing that falling off the serve thing. And, yeah, as Mary says, I'm sure she puts it pithier more pithily than I'm about to but if if your serve needs footwork something's <laughs> something's not quite right um Matt Solander said on the uh, Eurosport coverage that we just watched that uh, Sitsipas's backhand is not progressing in the way it should be yeah he, he praised his attitude didn't he mm. his fighting mm. spirit but really uh, <clears throat> I agree with Matt I, I think he if you're in his position you need to be navigating these opening rounds with the minimum of fuss he, this this opponent today, Kolar, all all credit to him, but that should not be happening to to Stefano Sitsipas because he's such a natural clay quarter. He's in his natural habitat, and he doesn't feel entirely convincing at the moment. Mm, yeah, makes it interesting, doesn't it? In that in that bottom half of the draw, which looked like it could very possibly be a, a procession for, for Sitsipas at the uh, at the start of the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. There is a guy I didn't mention in there who um, is Yannick Sinner. He won today. Mm. He's, I've, I've realised this today, he's only ever lost to Rafa Nadal at Roland Garros, which, oh. is a, which is one of those sort of slightly weird stats. It's just because he's been in Nadal's section, I suppose, and beaten who he should beat and run into him. But... You know, he, he he dropped the opening set today, I think, and came back to win. He'd be another name that I'd be... A, I mean, Sinner's, um, Sitzpass has got a good record against him this season, hasn't mm. he? Sinner, that hasn't been a good though. matchup for Sinner. But he's probably another one who you would give more of a chance if Sitzpass is not playing well. Yeah. yeah. Mackenzie McDonald next for Sinner and Mikhail Immer next for Sitsipas. What is next for us at the French Open? Friday schedule starts on Philippe Chatrier at midday local time with Bencic against Fernandez. There is unquestionably lopsidedness in these draws. There is one day with blockbuster matches everywhere you look and then alternate days with, you know, slightly slimmer pickings and that's what we've had today. But tomorrow, my goodness, Bencic against Fernandez, Djokovic against Bednay, which... Belongs I, on this. <laughs> yeah, it does. Poor Aliash Bednay. Sloane Stevens against Diane Parry. Could be interesting. Chatrier crowd into it. They've already got to know Diane Parry, haven't they? So they, they know what they're dealing with. Uh, and then under the lights on Friday, Sebastian Corder against Carlos Alcaraz. Mm. Mm. Yes, please. Mm. Longlen in Yes, Please news uh, starts with Amanda Anisimova against Karolina Mukova. 
Oh, yes. Really, really looking forward to that. Then Kaya Kanepi against Coco Goff. Love that. Rafael Nadal against Bertik van der Zandschulp, which people are bigging up this match. People including David, I think. People including David. Well, I just think Longlen, um, I think van der Zandschulp is, is, is a lot better than maybe his hype or lack of hype gives him when you see him he's quite convincing he's quite difficult to play against um and, he, and he's kind of he's got nothing to lose so it's just if Nadal plays like Nadal it's it's a non-entity but if but he might not could be the first test of the foot if Van yeah, der that, gets it. a set makes it makes it a bit physical definitely um definitely worth having more than one eye on maybe even two eyes that's probably the maximum anyone's got available. Um, <laughs> finally, on long Len, Alexander Zverev against Brandon Nakashima, who Pam uh, Pam Shriver was telling me earlier that Nakashima is getting some attention in America. He's engaging people. Apparently, he's a, an incredible competitor, um, having been through the college system over there. Might not have the weapons of some younger players, but... Well, Zverev you know, better sort it. himself out because yeah. he, he at the moment he he's not at the level of a mm. player who's even going to be in the quarterfinals. So um, if Nakashima plays well and Zverev doesn't, it could not be Not playing like a member of the new big three just now. No. Court Simon Macho, Grigor Dimitrov, who, we're not going to talk about it, but has, has been playing brilliantly. Yeah, and, and is scheduled to play Djokovic if he gets through. Mm, well, he's got to play Diego Schwartzman tomorrow, and that's, that's tough. Easy. Kerber against Sasnovich, that's a big old yes, please. Azarenka against Teichman, Norrie against Hashinov, massive opportunity for Cam Norrie, I would say, to reach the second week of Islam. Trevisan, Darius Saville is on court 14, as is Felix Auger-Eliassime against Filip Krajinovic. They've got Elise Mertens, John Isner lower down the schedule. It is a, it's a cracking schedule tomorrow. So make sure you join us for tomorrow's podcast when we'll be reviewing all of it. Also, check out our Twitter and Instagram for Elaine Rostopenko face news amongst, <laughs> amongst other things. There was a, there was news of a, of Matt's latest lunchtime pork incident today. This is the stuff you're missing out on if you're not following us on social media. Um, we have our mascot, Cooper. Right, my Cooper. Hello, Cooper. Cooper's parents are gallivanting around Paris right now. Hello, hey. Drew and David. Hi, Drew and David. Um, we have our own mascots. None of us scored for them today, I'm afraid to say. I've got Carter, David's got Darwin. Matt's Sorry, got Darwin. Gerald the cat, who's no longer with us. Um, no points for anyone today. Many apologies. Billy Jean King, always scoring points. Every every day is a point score for Billie Jean. She is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Ilana Kloss. We have our executive producers, Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner. And we have shout outs. We have Tommy Doyle in Sydney. Right, Tommy. A lot like Tommy Paul. Very tennis name. Tommy yeah. Haas. Tommy Robredo. Yeah. Oh. Mm, that is a lot of Tommies, actually, isn't think, it? Can you think of any Australian Tommies? I can't. No. That's... No. We've just come up with three tennis Tommies. <laughs> I think that's pretty good, David. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy Doyle. We have Celeste Byrne, who's also in Sydney. Right, Celeste. That makes me think of Daphne and Celeste, the, um, the, double, the pop double act in the 90s. I'm looking at David. They performed at uh, Reading Festival and they got tomatoes thrown at them. Oh, <laughs> this has gone well. It makes me think of Celeste, who's around now. Yes, that's because Matt's younger than I am. <laughs> I don't know either. So, um, but Celeste. Thank you, Celeste. The friend of the pod. We've um, we we've had great. to talk about pop stars because I don't think there are any tennis Celestes. No, there should be. There should be. Yeah, thank you, Celeste, for being a tennis Celeste. And finally today we have Brona Staunton in Dublin. Oh. Love the name Brona, but I, th I don't think there are any tennis Broners. No. No. In fact, Irish tennis players? The only one I can there think of is Conor Nealon. Yes, that's who I was thinking of, but that's all I've got. been retired a few years now, but... Um, Irish tennis players, I want some. 
Anyway, thank Delighted you. To have Irish thank you very much, Bruno. Tennis podcast if, you could, if you could sort out the uh, the lack of Irish tennis players, <laughs> David would be much obliged. Yeah. Thanks, uh, thank you and hello. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to all our friends of the Tennis Podcast for making these daily shows happen, for allowing us to be here at the French Open. We're loving covering it. We hope you're enjoying listening to these pods. Do make sure you sign up for the newsletter. Um, honestly, I know, obviously, it's my job to tell you they're great, but they also are really great. So sign up to the newsletter, follow us on Instagram, and check out Hannah's work on Twitter. It is all marvellous. Tell your friends, leave us an Apple Podcast review, and we'll speak to you all tomorrow. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 